Hello and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, Pastor Myron shares a special Good Friday message in our sermon series called Journey to Easter. Pastor Myron begins with a story from August 16, 1940 from the Battle of Britain with Prime Minister Winston Churchill and Chief of Staff General Ismay. They paid a visit to the nerve center for the aerial defense of southern England and that was at the Royal Air Force Base at Uxbridge just outside of London. At the RAF base at Uxbridge, they entered into an underground bunker where the Prime Minister observed the women and men of the RAF tirelessly and with seamless choreography direct squadrons of aircraft into the air to confront a very dangerous and numerically superior foe. At the end of the day, the Prime Minister with his Chief of Staff, they emerged from the bunker and he was moved by what he had just witnessed and then he gazed skyward. And he thought of the young men in the Royal Air Force. Many of those pilots were just 20 years of age, and they had received just 20 years, 20 years, 20 hours of flying time on their aircraft before they were thrust into aerial combat. And he was deeply moved, in fact, overwhelmed. And in that moment, he spontaneously made a statement. He turned to his chief of staff and he said, Never in the history of mankind has so much been owed by so many to so few. Not long after that, General Ismay, the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, said to him, Sir, what about Jesus and the disciples? And the Prime Minister thanked his chief, and he amended his statement to never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. Friends, what about Jesus and the disciples? Each of the disciples of the Lord Jesus with the exception of Judas, who met his end in the manner in which he did, died a premature death, with the exception of the Apostle John, and they died a martyr's death. And what about our Lord Jesus? Friends, on this Friday, as we reflect on our Lord Jesus Christ and his cross, we would say together that never in history was so much owed by so many to one person, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's follow Jesus then to a place ominously known as Golgotha or the place of the skull on this Good Friday, 2022, and let's reflect on that Friday. It may well have happened on April the 3rd, 33 A.D. To do that, I invite you, if you have your Bible or on your device, to find Mark chapter 15, and let's journey with Jesus, the one to whom we owe so much as he travels to this place called Calvary. And in verses 16 to 20, we see the pathway to the cross. The soldiers led Jesus away into the palace, that is, the praetorium, and called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews. Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And when they'd mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they let him out to crucify him. When feckless Pontius Pilate handed our Lord Jesus Christ over to be beaten, scourged, and crucified, the soldiers took him to the place called the Praetorium, which was their barracks. There they could have some fun with this rabbi 
from Nazareth just so long as they didn't kill him. And so acknowledging very mockingly that a king was in their midst, one of the soldiers took a piece of purple cloth and draped it over his bloodied shoulders. And then another soldier fashioned a sort of a crown of the thorns and they pressed it onto the top of his head. And the thorns pierced his brow. And then if a king was in their midst, of course he needed a court. And so the soldiers gathered around him. And in utter mockery, they knelt down before him and they hailed him and they slapped him around and they spit on him and they struck him. And then they led Jesus to be crucified. And they led Jesus down a centuries-old road that was called the Via Della Rosa. The Via Della Rosa was about a 600-meter-long road that led from the Praetorium to the place where our Lord Jesus would be crucified. In Latin, it means the way of suffering or the way of sorrow. Now, that pathway, that road, the Via Della Rosa, it was actually a pathway that began in eternity. In eternity past, the Lord God knew that when he placed Adam and Eve into the Garden of Eden, that they would sin. But God already had in love and in mercy in his heart to do what needed to be done to rescue helpless sinners from their sins. So it always was from eternity past in the heart of our Father in heaven to sacrifice his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Romans 13 verse 8 says that our Lord Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. That means that the cross of Calvary was no plan B. The cross Calvary was no ambulance racing to the scene of an accident. In profound love and mercy, knowing what would be necessary to rescue me and you from our sins, the Father had it in his heart to crush his Son and to sacrifice him on the cross of Calvary. And so the pathway to the cross that day went down the Via Della Rosa, and it was a pathway that went all the way back to eternity. But the Via Della Rosa, the pathway to the cross, unfolded in history. There was a Friday in history in which our Lord Jesus Christ, willingly in love, as the perfect Son of God, having lived the totally righteous life that we could never live, gave himself on the cross for us. And there is a red thread of redemption that goes right through the pages of Scripture. And that thread of redemption culminates on that Friday, on that day in history in which Jesus our Lord went to the cross and gave his life for you and for me. And it is at the cross of Calvary which is the only place where sinful people can be rescued from their sins and be made right with God. Well, that's the pathway to the cross. In this passage of Scripture, we note next the people at the cross. Verse 21. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. 
Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it, and they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Think of the people at the cross on that day. Simon was there. Simon was an individual who, depending on how you looked at it, happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was pressed into service. He was compelled. He was forced by the soldiers to carry the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was profound in so many ways. First of all, part of the punishment for one condemned to die by crucifixion was that they would carry their own cross. That was a statement of their guilt. So by virtue of the fact that someone else carried Jesus' cross, the Spirit of God through the gospel writers telling us, of course, that our Lord Jesus was utterly innocent. But think about Simon. There he was. He was compelled to carry the cross of Christ. Given what our Lord Jesus openly did for us, what he embraced on our behalf, what he endured going to the cross of Calvary for us, and may our following after Jesus and our love for him, may it be reflected of a willingness devotion to journey with the one who loved us to such an extent. May our following after Jesus not be reflective of any sort of compulsion, a guilty obligation. We follow Jesus in love because of the love that he demonstrated for us. Simon was there. Soldiers were there. For the soldiers, it was an ugly and brutal business, but it was just another day on the job. They'd done this many times before. They would do this horrific deed many times after that. Having led Jesus to the place where he would be crucified, the soldiers offered our Lord the pain-deadening narcotic potion, wine mixed with myrrh, as was the case for all victims of crucifixion, to try and sort of get him through it. But Jesus refused that pain-deadening narcotic potion because he would embrace fully the cup of suffering on our behalf that the Father had placed before him. And then the soldiers drove nails through his wrists and through his feet, and the cross was lifted into place. At that point, as our Lord hung in agony, the soldiers shamelessly gambled for his clothes, and then the gospel writer Mark notes for us the sign that was affixed above our Lord. And it was a sign reading the charge against him. And that sign simply said, the king of the Jews. That was the only charge in the end that they could hang on our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what? That sign was and is the truth. Friends, we are living in times of great uncertainty in our world. Greater uncertainty, perhaps, than at any other period in our lifetime. So when feelings of anxiousness arise in our hearts, can we think back to that day in which our Lord gave his life for us on the cross and the sign that was fixed above him? When we find ourselves wondering, what is this world coming to? Remember that sign. 
And then remember the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2. This world inexorably is moving towards the direction and the time in history in which every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is King and Lord. Amen? Simon was there. Soldiers were there. In terms of the people at the cross, subversives were there. Crucified to Jesus' right and his left were two individuals that traditionally have been called thieves, but these were not shoplifters. The NIV describes them as rebels. Likely, those subversives were revolutionaries. They were part of a group that sought to overthrow the despised Roman occupiers by violence, by force. And they'd been caught, and they also were crucified on that day with the Lord Jesus Luke, the gospel writer, tells us that at some point, one of those rebels chose in simple, sincere faith to trust in Jesus as the only one who could rescue him from his sins. And that person said to Jesus, Lord, when you enter into your kingdom, will you remember me? And Jesus said to that rebel crucified by him, today you will be in paradise with me. That's the power of the gospel. In a fraction of a moment, to transform the heart of a repentant sinner who trusts in Jesus for time and for eternity. So on that day in history, one of those crucified died in sin, one died to sin, and the individual in the middle The perfect God-man, our Lord Jesus Christ, he died for sin. fellow was working on a Bible study, a teaching around the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that night he had a dream. And in his dream he was transported to this scene, to this place called the skull. And he watched in horror as a crown of thorns was pressed onto the head of the Lord Jesus, and then he watched as nails were driven into the feet and the wrists of the Lord, and he couldn't take it anymore. And in his dream, he rose from his feet, and he ran over to the soldier and wheeled him around to stop him. But when he looked in the face of the soldier, to his shock, he saw his face. We're reminded this day that it was my sin, and it was your sin, and it was your sin that put Jesus on the cross of Calvary. How heinous, how depraved are we in our utter sinfulness that the only remedy, the only way forward for us to be rescued from our sins and restored the relationship with God was for the sinless Son of God, the perfectly righteous Lord Jesus, to willingly in love give himself for us on the cross of Calvary. Have you trusted in this Lord Jesus? acknowledging your sin and asking him alone to be your forgiver and the leader of your life, have you chosen in faith to submit your life to this Lord Jesus? Well, the pathway to the cross, the people at the cross, and finally the purpose of the cross. Verse 29. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So... You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, 
but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. The purpose of the cross. The emperor of imperial Rome, Julius Caesar, early in his political career, found himself in a little bit of a hot spot. And there was a lot of tension surrounding his leadership. So he decided that he would leave the city of Rome and head out for a time and let the political controversy kind of cool down. And so he sailed for the island of Rhodes. En route, his ship was attacked by pirates. And the emperor of imperial Rome was taken captive. He was kidnapped. And the pirates took him to some place and put up ransom. They said, you want your emperor back? This is what it will cost you. Caesar was offended that they would set the ransom for someone of his stature so low. And so he talked them into greatly increasing the ransom for him. Well, in time, that ransom was paid. Caesar was released. But in the intervening 40 days that the pirates had the emperor of Rome, he would often lightheartedly quip at them, you know what, when I'm released, I'm going to hunt you down and have every last one of you crucified. And then they would share in a laugh together. What do you suppose happened? In the moment immediately after, Julius Caesar was released. He formed an armada of ships, and with his sailors, they headed out into the high seas, and they found and captured and crucified every last one of those pirates. This was the Roman view of crucifixion. This unimaginably painful, torturous way to put someone to death. The excruciation of crucifixion and the humiliation, it was reserved for the most hated, the worst of the criminal element. And on that Friday in history, our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. Why was that? Unwittingly that day, the religious establishment, as they walked past the cross and waved their fists and shook their head and mocked the Lord Jesus, they gave the answer. What did those religious leaders say? He saved others. He can't save himself. In his earthly ministry, our Lord Jesus saved others. Over and over, he ministered to people. He demonstrated as God incarnate the heart of God for people. He loved people. He delivered people. He gave the blind sight. He made the lame to walk. He pronounced forgiveness. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, Jesus delivered and saved people. And then one day in history, as the perfect son of God, he was nailed to the cross. But he didn't save himself. Make no mistake, however. Jesus could have called down ten thousand angels in that moment he could have saved himself but he chose not to why because as a wise person has said nails did not hold christ to the cross love did what the religious leaders stated that day is the essence of the gospel he saved others jesus stayed there on the cross to rescue us to save us from our sins 
and our hearts are gripped with gratitude for this profound, life-transforming truth. Jesus didn't save himself. He stayed there on the cross for us. He died for us. He shed his blood for us. He came to save others. But for you, and for you, and for me, he chose not to save himself. And friends, because that's the truth. That is why we believe in our Lord Jesus. And we love and serve him with all of our hearts. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. Today is Good Friday, the day in history where Jesus paid the once and for all sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Jesus died for you and for me. As a result of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have the opportunity to live in relationship with our Heavenly Father. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and would like to learn more, please reach out using the email help at hhhchurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. And we would love to talk with you more about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus. Please join us for a Resurrection Sunday service where we will celebrate that the grave could not hold him and King Jesus is alive forevermore. Now these words from Numbers chapter 6 verses 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.